Back in 2018, I developed a plan for where I wanted to be when I was at my previous law firm. And it was like, well, professionally, I want three brick and mortar locations with 20 lawyers and 15 paralegals and all this. And what I kind of realized is, well, that doesn't align with my personal vision, right, for my life. What I want personally out of my life is to be able to travel, meet strange people right? And go to strange places and sit down at a bar or restaurant I've never been before. And having three brick and mortar locations with 20 lawyers and 15 paralegals, that's a whole lot of management I got to do. And that does not align with my personal vision for my life. Are you ready to step up your game? Do you want to form the habits required to take your hustle to the next level? You're in the right place. We've been where you are and know that getting to your optimized next level doesn't happen by accident. Welcome to the Next Level Hustle podcast. Each week, we sit down with experts, entrepreneurs, and people at the top of their game to help you discover how to accelerate what you've already been doing with excellence and speed to find success and fulfillment in every area of your life. I'm your host, Boomer Allred. And I'm also your host, John Wiesahan. This is going to be Next Level. Hey, this is Boomer. I'm your host for the Next Level Hustle podcast. Hey guys, welcome. This is John, also the host of the Next Level Hustle podcast. And we are here with our third guest today. His name is Matt Vilmer, a great friend of mine. We've known each other for, I don't know, going on four years now, probably. Probably, right. You know, it's funny, when we started this podcast, one of the first episodes that uh, we did, we said, hey, we're going to have a lot of different kinds of people on here. Um, So far, we've had uh, a professional athlete. We have had a stand-up comedian. And now we have a lawyer. <laughs> what an interesting... <laughs> you can turn it off now. <laughs> no, but don't. But don't. Seriously, don't. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, Matt is, is really unique, the most unique lawyer that I've ever worked with. And I think he does a absolutely fantastic job at what he does. But Matt, if you don't mind, just give our listeners a little bit, you know, the, the two-minute version of kind of how you started and where you are now and what you want to be. Yeah. Super high level. Oh my God, what I want to be. I don't even know what I want to be. I mean, (laughs) Um, so uh, I started practicing law down in Pensacola, Florida. I was one of the first lawyers to sue BP after the BP oil spill. And so that was uh, a super fun time chasing BP around for years and years. Ultimately, I got this kind of harebrained idea that I wanted to go start up a law firm in New York and Connecticut. Um, So I saved up uh, for a year, uh, took a tiny amount of money and moved uh, to a city where I knew nobody. Uh, so I lived right right outside of New York City for a while, operated a firm up there, met my wife. Um, we ultimately moved down to Charlotte about eight years ago. Um, and I've been doing entrepreneurship work and uh, operating a law firm in Charlotte ever since. So yeah. That's awesome. It's um so when you when you talk about hustle, right? Let's forget about next level for a minute. Just hustle. Yeah. Like what does that mean to you? Because it's different for everybody, right? Yeah, so like sure. when you you're like, man, I gotta get, I gotta wake up on Monday morning, I got to hustle this week. Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think, I think the first thing is, um, effort, right? So when I think about hustle and the way that I've kind of accomplished the goals that I want to accomplish over my life, it's been, if I look around a room, I know that I will try harder than any human being in that room. Right. So hustle to me is, and, and I don't really advertise that. I just know deep down, like people may not quite recognize that I'm going to be the person that's up burning the midnight oil to make it happen. But like, that's the way I am. Right. So hustle to me is effort. I think it's 
It's also actually uh, launching or completing your goal, right? So for me, people um, like what I bring to the table with execution, right? So for me, hustle is if you want to accomplish a goal or you want to launch a business or whatever, and you talk to me about it, I'll already have a website built. I'll already have policies and procedures. I'll already have all that stuff done before you even say boo, right? And to me, it's like, that's kind of what hustle has been, at least in my life, right? Wow. It sounds uh, a lot like John. (laughs) You guys are like from the same cloth. Where have you seen that in your life? Like, Mm. who are, are you modeling you know, who in your life have, have you seen hustle paying off for? Because yeah. obviously you're modeling someone that you've seen. Like hustle just doesn't happen. You're like, oh, I'm going to work really hard and I hope it works. Yeah. You hustle for a purpose. Yeah. Where does that come from? So my, my wife's in school um, to get her master's in social work and she's done some deep dives into, she's very interested in like Enneagram and things like that. So we've really been super self-reflective over the last like five, six years in thinking about a lot of things. And like, when I think back about hustle um, and where that comes from, it's my mom. I mean, no doubt about it. So my parents ran a furniture store. My mom's an interior designer. Uh, I grew up in Evansville, Indiana. And I mean, that woman hustled so frigging hard all the time. And whereas that may have had some interesting interplay in how we interacted when I was growing up, I mean, I can look back and respect the fact that my mom was a dyed-in-the-wool entrepreneur and and you could never hold her down. I mean, she was going to work harder than any human being out there. And I think I got that, I mean, genetically, right? I think it's baked into the cake for sure. Yeah. That's an interesting concept, right? So a lot of people are like, man, how do I hustle? How do I, how can I flip that switch? And and honestly, I tell people like, you just have to do it, Yeah. right? But yeah. for me, it's, it's very, very natural. Yeah. But for a lot of people, it's not natural. And it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. I mean, so one of my good friends from college runs a company that uh, deals with colleges and getting people to come to colleges and spend money on t-shirts and um, concessions and all these things, right? He launched a, an, uh, an app long, long ago. And his big entrepreneurship guideline for me that I always paid attention to was just launch already, right? So don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And if you have a good idea, you should be embarrassed when you launch it right? It's not going to be comfortable and and it's not going to be the best. There's going to be problems with it, right? But if you sit around for years and years and try to make your business idea or whatever it is that you want to pursue perfect, you will never launch. It will never be perfect, right? And life is a journey of constantly perfecting that idea to where it gets better and better and better, but it'll never be perfect, right? And I love that for sure. Did you, like you hit the nail on the head. Like I believe in that ethos so much. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, I, I, I've said it on this podcast before and I'm going to say it again. Like if you want it to be perfect, you're never going to start. Right. So you just got to, you just have to go and you have to, you have to stumble along the way to get there. But the problem is like people get so scared of failure that they never start in the first place. That's right. hundred percent. It's like, you know, I had somebody ask me once they're like, man, how do you like, how do you just go? Like, don't you get, well, what about this risk? What about this, yeah. you know, viewpoint? What about, you know, this thought? Like, look at all the negative things happening. I'm like, man, I don't know what it is, but just like in my bloodstream, like I have blinders on to yeah, risk. That's right. Like I just go forward. Yeah. Right. And that's all you can really do. That's right. And man, I got to tell you, it's so interesting. Um, to me, it's like, I, so I, I think it's pretty apparent, like you and I are the same human in that regard. And what's so important to me and what I learned over time is that, if left to my own devices, like that type of a personality, 
it's great in a lot of ways, but it's not great in a lot of ways, right? And so to me, what I do is I always find the human being that's going to cause me to pump the brakes, like building out a team like my law partner, right, Bo? So um, we own our law firm, and that guy is so circumspect and thoughtful about everything. And a lot of times it drives me crazy. It's like, for God's sake, can we make a decision, right? But on the same accord, it's like, if you don't have someone like that, that with my personality type, where I'm always like, make a decision yesterday, as long as I'm moving forward, right? It's success. And that's not necessarily the case, right? And so to me, that teammate is so important for me to be successful, right? Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, and as you get older and further in your career, like the screw-ups become bigger mountains to overcome, yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Like when you have nothing and you put it all on the table, you have nothing to lose, right? But now, like as you accumulate wealth and, yeah. you know, companies get larger, the risks become more profound if you do screw up. Yeah. And, you know, I think you make a really good point. I've had, whether it's business partners, you know, throughout my entrepreneurial career and in businesses that I've owned or been a part of operating, having that person as almost like a sounding board to be able to tell you where the risks are. Like right now, it's Sean. Sean's our COO, CFO, the company that that I own and, and run today. Like without him, I could make some colossal mistakes. And even like, here's the interesting part. I may not go to Sean with every single thing I want to do, but I know in the back of my head, like Sean's going to say this. It's almost like a, <laughs> yeah. it's almost like a cover of protection. Yeah. And he probably doesn't even know it 90% of the time, <laughs> right? But if yeah. I brought this to Sean, he'd look at me and be like, wow, you're an idiot. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so like that stops me before I even like bake out yeah. fully. And what's really cool, and, and um, you know, I don't know if you share this as well, but I think it's really neat. I'm very thankful that my wife has been that constant for me throughout all of my businesses. Yeah. And she will keep me honest. She'll make me think about things in a different way. She's an incredible room reader. Mm -hmm. And I think having that constant in my life through all the businesses, through all the situations, through all the employees, through all the sales of companies, starts of companies, like she helps me think about things a different way. And like, who better than your spouse to be like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and, and so um, Kelly, my wife, like her, her thing is always, we're standing sideways floating on a planet, right? It's like, so what, you know, I mean, that really gives you some perspective about how important all these things, or you perceive how important all these things are that aren't really that important, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if we're all standing sideways on a floating planet, I mean, who really cares in that context, right? <laughs> so the thing that you think is absolutely awful or catastrophic, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's fine. It's a speck of dust that will go away, you know? So everyone talks about risk, right? Now I'm a mindset coach, no one ever talks about the success, yeah. right? When you, when you feel this feedback, it's always about, oh, what can go wrong? We're going to lose everything. But what about dreaming on the other side? Where do you play in that space? Yeah, I mean, um, huh. where do I play in that space? I mean, I, I, um, I always assume that what I'm going to do will be a success. And I'm often dead wrong, right? I mean, oftentimes. But I, I don't know, there's just something about me I'm fine to just fail and fall flat on my face. Like no matter what, it'll all be fine. I mean, it'll all be okay, you know? And so I think if that fear of failure is set aside and you're not afraid of those risks and you assume that things you're going to do will be successful, then you'll probably be successful overall in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I think there's, I think there's a, a concept of speaking things into existence and owning them, Yeah, right? If you have confidence that something's going to happen, it's likely that through perseverance and through uh, mindset 
I'm not saying mindset alone, like you have to be smart about what you're doing, yeah. but it definitely helps push the ball forward. Yeah. And, you know, my wife will, you know, we'll do like, uh, you know, personal planning and things like that. And sometimes we'll look at each other and I'll ask her, I'm like, do, do you think, did you ever think we'd be where we are today at, yeah. as young as we are? And she'll look at me and she'll, she'll say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like I love that. And That's we'll talk amazing. about where we want to be in five years. And yeah. she goes, I want to be here in five years. And and she said, what's cool about that is I know we'll be there in five years and we'll probably be there in two. Yeah, yeah. I said, maybe. Uh, and it, it's so interesting. That dynamic is, it is really important to me, like having that partner to talk about those things and having a partner that's good at something that maybe you're not. So um, Kelly is really, really good at kind of that mindful piece, right? Speaking it into existence, being a positive influence and thinking about the thing that you want to happen before it happens and feeling the emotions associated with the thing that you want before it happens, right? And I always come along and I say, well, hold on a second. It's not a thought exercise. What's important is the aligned action. So taking the action to get to the end goal is the important part, right? But that's what I'm good at, aligned action. And she's good at the mindset piece. And so when you put that together, I mean, that is really awesome, you know? It's an incredibly powerful thing. Yeah, like yeah. when you can align forces, because, you know, just I sit back and think for a minute, I'm like, man, if I had a, a spouse that wasn't supportive and I am like super transparent, who I am at home is who I am at the office is who I am at the gym. Like you're getting the same guy every single yeah, time. Yeah. Some people like leave the office at the door when they walk inside and that's totally fine. You have to do what works for you. But for me, the way my brain works, I'm always on, I'm always thinking. Yeah. So to have someone to bounce those ideas off of and you know, have relevant information to know what, you know, how, how you act and how you think and how you execute to be supportive in that is, I mean, it's magical. It truly is magical. Yeah, man. If you had someone that, that was so risk averse and, and this is friends, family, I mean, close acquaintances, whoever, if someone is so risk averse and says, whoa, 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 there's danger in that. Don't do that. Right. I mean, yeah, for sure. There's danger in starting your own law firm. There's danger in starting your own business in, you know, selling a house and moving across the country. There's danger in all that. Right. But I always think about it, it's like, what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? Well, the worst thing that could possibly happen is your business fails and I don't know, you start another one or go get a job somewhere, right? I mean, that's your worst case scenario. It'll all be okay, you know? And that's, that, that's kind of what keeps me going or, or makes Kelly and I think, okay, well, what are these risks really, right? What, what's the dire consequence that's going to occur if we're unsuccessful? And it's not that bad. Well, it's, it's like, I've started a business, I've lost it all. Yeah. I started another business, I've lost it all. Like eventually you're, you're going to learn enough failures to know not not how not to screw up the next time, <laughs> yeah, you know? It, for sure. and, and it's like, okay, maybe we'll lose it all again. Yeah. You know, it's, a, it's a bigger nut to yeah. crack this time, but yeah. you can offload things, you know, as long as you put food on the table and there's love in the house, like yeah. what more can you ask for? Yeah, right on. Mm -hmm. So you talked about hustle, talked about where it came from. You talked about all the amazing partners you have in your life and your relationship and your business. Where does hustle help you as an attorney? Like, where does it show up? Oh, man. So I think one thing that I'm the most proud of is when someone reaches out to me to do something for them, it's, it happens and it happens immediately, right? Um, so I always think about the, the biggest complaints that people have about lawyers is that they're never responsive and they never actually give you the thing that you paid them to give you, right? And it so takes forever. Sounds like um, 
contractors or uh, folks who might take care of your lawn yeah. maybe, as well. I mean, it's not, yeah, yeah. It's not just attorneys. No, There's that's a lot right. Of people Co- correct. Yeah, that, that's that exactly right. To. Yeah. I mean, being immediately responsive, I think is so incredibly important um, in the operation of really any business, right? But especially in a field where people are not responsive at all. And like one of my favorite things, so I, I teach entrepreneurship and growth classes, right? And one of my favorite little hacks from that is if you want to figure out as a potential business owner or a business owner, what your competitive advantage should be above people in your same field, right? The easiest way to figure that out, you can talk to family or friends or whoever, right? But the easiest way to figure it out is go Google your competitors, right? And look at their Google reviews and sort them by most negative, right? And then create a little spreadsheet of the themes that you see. So what do people hate about this particular company, right? And you'll start to see some themes. It's like, okay, well, people don't really like that lawyers aren't responsive, right? People think lawyers are super expensive. They never know how much they're ultimately going to pay, right? And so if you start to create those themes in a spreadsheet, you can say, well, look, this is what I need to do to be successful in this marketplace. I can't fall in that trap, that trap, or that trap, right? And I love that. I thought that was awesome. You bring up a great point of responsiveness. And it's something that John talks about a lot. And I'd like John to explain it because I love our audience to know this uh, concept of only touch it once. You know, I told my wife this one time, I've never, she's never let me live it down because I don't necessarily always touch it once by like picking up my closet or putting my laundry <laughs> away. She's like, what happened? I always touch it once. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I love her. I should be better about that at home. Um, so this concept of always touch it once is something that is, um, it's really near and dear to my heart. I truly believe it because in where I got in this trap was earlier on in my career, I get an email and I'd be like, oh, I'll get back to that email. Then that email turned into five emails I'm going to get back to. And now I got new emails and emails I got to get back to. I'm like, wow, like I have 55 emails I got to get back to here. But if you just touch it once, kind of like eat the frog, right? Yeah. Touch it once, be done with it and move on. Like, the, the amount of free brain space that creates is, inc- is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, it's incredible. So, even if you don't want to do it, I always tell my kids, like, just do a little, just a little more effort now to finish the thing than have to go back and, and touch it again. Yeah. Because by the time you have to touch it again, or possibly a third time to remind yourself, you've put in probably 20 times the effort that you had to if you would have just done it the first time. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're making your mind busy, with it, it's sitting there, even if it's subconscious. Yeah. It's still sitting there. But when you when you do it and you get off the plate and you know that task is completed, it's it's a very freeing feeling. And it's mostly subconscious yeah, and stress yeah. level driven. Man, I so one thing that I mean, it really did fundamentally change my life is thinking a little bit about how expectations kind of rule everything, right? So in business and in life, I think every single conflict that everybody has, whether it's with your spouse or your family or your friends or with clients or customers, right? Every single one of those conflicts is kind of born from a lack of meeting expectations, So like my wife and I, uh, we go to Spain, let's say, and she has in her mind that she's going to lounge by the beach all day. And I have in my mind that I'm going to go out shopping and enjoy myself uh, at bars and restaurants, right? And we show up and she's all upset at me because I'm wanting to go out and I'm upset because she wants to lounge by the beach. Well, what is that? Well, that's a, a failure to meet and set expectations. And so moving that into like the business realm, it's like anytime you have a conflict or a problem, if you boil it down, what is it? It's that maybe you didn't set an appropriate expectation, 
right? And so that has fundamentally changed how I do things, both in my personal relationships and with my clients, customers, employees. If you are clear as to what your expectations are, then everyone's really going to get along, right? And so we beat that drum all the time on setting expectations for our employees and them setting expectations for us, right, appropriately, because that pretty much removes a whole lot of conflict that you can avoid in advance, you know? I agree with that a little bit. I will say that if you deal with agreement versus expectation, where two sides can actually have, you know, a say in whether you're going to go out to the beach a little bit and then the bar, and then you're going to find a meet in the middle. The middle ground. Um, using agreement language versus expectation language, mm-hmm. I think will be, will land softer, hmm. right? And feel like both parties have yeah. something to say. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a space that I, I like some of the uh, folks that I coach mm-hmm. to plan rather yeah. than saying, you didn't meet my expectations. Even that word itself has a lot of weight. Some connotation it. with it, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah uh, somebody told me once, the, the signs of a good deal is when everybody's moderately happy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny. So um, when I set client expectations for mediation, so everybody's suing one another, they all show up to try to resolve it. Um, I should start to refer to those expectations that way because I actually turn it on its head. And I think the way you describe it is better because I always say, well, look, you know, mediation is successful if you've settled your case and everybody walks out and hates the deal, right? Because everyone thinks, well, I gave too much, right? Yeah. Or I gave too little. And it's like, well, look, no one is going to like it if you've reached an appropriate compromise. I like your way better. You're all going to moderately like it. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> look, everyone's going to be moderately happy, yeah. right? I gave up something, you gave up something, I got something, you got something, but not every, neither one of us is ecstatic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's the sign of a good deal. And that can be, you know, going back to expectation management, it's the same thing, right? Like you may want to go out shopping all day, but your wife may want to lay, lay by the pool all day, but maybe you go shopping till three and she goes and hangs out of the bar from three to five, right? Like everyone's pretty much okay. And you get to hang out a little bit. Yeah. Right. Uh Right So it's, it's expectation management is just. I mean, we could have a whole podcast on expectation yeah, management because yeah. it's, it's such a psychological trigger for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and also it's like, so we've been interviewing candidates to come and work at our firm as, as lawyers um, recently. And it's really interesting because they've been asking some great questions like, you know, uh, what would make someone successful in this position? And it makes you do soul search and be like, okay, that's a great question, right? What would it take for someone to be successful in this position? And the one thing that we've kind of hit on, and, and this is also if I distill down like my life experience in both personally, professionally, all those things, it's, it's I don't know, it's that people are self-reflective and capable of taking constructive criticism, right? So like people that look inward, they're like, okay, how could I do this better? right? Those people that are self-reflective, that's everything, right? Because you can always do a little bit better, for sure. I don't pretend that I know exactly how to do all the things right all the time. And as long as you have someone that is open to education and growth by looking inward, that's the important thing. Like that's the secret sauce to having a good spouse, good friends, the people that you surround yourself with, your employees. It's like, that is the thing that you have to have. You're totally right. Right. And people want to hear how they can improve themselves. Like as a leader, I, I have a really hard time with that. Like I have a hard time sitting someone down saying, Hey, this is what I think you could do to improve because I like super honestly, like I don't have all the answers. I don't know what they could be doing. Like someone hired in a job that they're doing, they're, they're excelling at is definitely doing the job better than I could do it today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
So like leading people to try to become better. And as we continue to grow, it's, it's been a personal challenge for me. And this is something I'm just now realizing, Boomer, which is why we haven't talked about it in our one-on-one sessions for professional development. But <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's challenging for me to figure out how, I don't, it's like, you're like scared of it. Kind yeah. of, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I've had a couple of conversations with folks like, hey, we may move you into a different role in the company because we think you're going to excel better there for professional. Like those are easy, but it's not, hey, I think you could do a better job at this by acting this way mm-hmm. or by approaching it this way. And maybe I'm doing it naturally. I don't know it, It's but it's it's hard. But but people want it. Yeah. Right? People look for it. Well, and, and I wish I was better at it. Like mm-hmm. I, I say, that's the most important thing and it is a super important thing. But I think if my life is, um, uh, if history is prologue, then I guess the reality is I'm not as self-reflective as maybe I want to be or I could be because I'm the type of person that's always like, okay, what's next? The next step, the next step. I'm always forward looking and it is difficult for me to look inward or back, right? Not to say I don't do it, but I could do a much better job for sure. So I got a question. If you looked at today, how far in advance do you plan your professional career? And, and this goes back to this goes, and I'll give you like my answer in my own head after you answer, because I don't yeah. want you to say something different. But in my head, I look at my next X amount of time period in a certain time segment. And I'm like, I live my life in this block, right? So... And I think that comes down to hustle because it's to be able to have a next level hustle, you have to be able to be running after something yeah. that's imminently in front of you. Yeah. Right? Where are you headed? Right. Where are you going? If you don't know where you're going, how the hell are you like, going to get somebody there? Somebody will ask me like, hey, what are you going to do next year? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know where I'm going to be in six months. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's, it's, uh, so I, I like your perspective, you know, as an attorney, because obviously you probably do a lot more planning than I do. Maybe you don't, but if you had to answer the question, in what time segment do you live your life yeah. as you sit here today, what would that be? Man, that's a great question. I mean, so uh, let me just give you a little bit of background about maybe what my law partner and I have kind of done to plan for the future, right? And to me, planning for the future, like the most important part about planning for the future is being super clear about your why, right? Or at least about what you want your life personally and professionally to look like right? Because a lot of times people look at in an entrepreneurial journey, what they want to accomplish, right? So I went to my previous journey, right? Back in 2018, I developed a plan for where I wanted to be when I was at my previous law firm. And it was like, well, professionally, I want uh, three brick and mortar locations with 20 lawyers and 15 paralegals and all this. And what I kind of realized is, well, that doesn't align with my personal vision, right? For my life. What I want personally out of my life is to be able to travel and meet strange people, right? And go to strange places and sit down at a bar or restaurant I've never been before. And having three brick and mortar locations with 20 lawyers and 15 paralegals, that's a whole lot of management I got to do. And that does not align with my personal vision for my life, right? So to me, it's like, how do I live or plan? Well, I got super clear about what I wanted my personal life to be like. And then I aligned my business goals with that personal vision for my personal life. That's what kind of keeps me going in this direction of, okay, how do I build a law firm? Like our law firm is all remote. Well, that was by design. That was intentional because I got clear about my personal vision for what I wanted, travel, meeting new people, working from wherever. And now my business goals align with that personal vision, right? 
Totally agree with you. And when I started uh, the company, I started and then sold in 2018, it was always, I never want to be bound by having to go into an office all the time. Yeah. Whatever company I create, I want to be able to do it from anywhere in the world. Yeah. And so far since 2018, I've been able to accomplish that. We've done incredible travel. We go, we take off when we want. We travel when we want with the kids. And guess what? So do our employees. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because they can do their job from anywhere in the world too. Yeah. We don't have a vacation policy. It's very free. But guess what? Every If you set the culture and it's positive in nature, people will get their stuff done regardless of where they are. Correct. I mean, so we have unlimited PTO. We have all those things. We trust our employees that they're adults and they're going to get their work done. And when they get it done, that's really not much of my business, right? I mean, if, if you can trust the human being that you hire to do the work, you're good. That's it. And, and honestly, if I had this personal vision for myself of traveling and working from anywhere, but I, I made people show up and put a butt in a seat at 8.30 a.m. in a brick and mortar location, well, none of their personal life visions are going to align with mine. And that's kind of dangerous. You're not ultimately going to have employees that want to stick it out long term with you because the life that you've built for yourself is very different than the life you are forcing them to live, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you describe, you know, getting in alignment with your purpose and going back to when you're talking about who you wanted to hire, right? It was people that you wanted to have a purpose, yeah, right? So, you know, the idea of like, who do I want to work with and for me are people that are like you, maybe not in every facet, but the idea like molded in the shape that, you know, I want them to be good with them. So they can be good teammates, good leaders, because you have seen that success in your, in your life. Right on. And um, I think that's really cool. You, ha- you have to know who you are to know who you want to be on your team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody has to have the same goals either, right? Mm-hmm. But it, it sets a culture and an, ex- an expectation of, I'm not going to do something I don't expect everybody else to do too. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah. when you set that, then it's, it just becomes weird. Yeah, it sure does. Right? People have animosity. They have resentment. Like, yeah. yeah, keep that. You got to keep that shit out. Yeah. Right? Right. And, and when you have a bad apple, it's going to spoil for the bunch or, you know, somebody's not pulling their weight. Like it, it's not going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. And, but there's an expectation if they call me off hours or on vacation, I'm going to answer because it's yeah. urgent or, and vice versa. Yeah. And, and it works from a culture perspective. Well, well and also what I kind of realized when I, when I developed that growth plan back in 2018, when COVID happened, right. I, I was in a program called 10,000 small businesses sponsored by Goldman Sachs. Um, and they, they pay to fly everybody out to a business incubation course about where you want to go with your, your business. Right. And it really made me do some soul searching about what I wanted from my company or my business. Right. And, and it made me think the previous growth plan that I designed was kind of growth for growth's sake. Right. To me, it, it was very external validation based. If I had three brick and mortar locations, if I employed 20 attorneys, boy, that would look really impressive. I could pat myself on the back. I walk into any room and I feel awesome about myself. Right. But that's really not reality. That's just creating a whole lot of stress and anxiety to build up a business so you look particularly impressive. And that's kind of what I what I realized I was building. I was building a business that looks impressive from the outside, but maybe doesn't entirely make me happy from the inside, right? Well, there's the emotional component and then there's the financial component. So for small business owners, they're like, oh man, if I could do $3 million in revenue or if I could hit a million dollars in revenue this year, 
But the real question is, yeah. how much profit are you Correct. That's okay. right. No, that's right. I mean, A gross- million dollars means absolutely <laughs> nothing. If it takes 1.2 to run it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So like I always get fast. People get so fixated on the revenue number. Yeah. Yeah. But the revenue number, quite frankly, is meaningless. That's right. Unless there's net income. Yeah. No, that's right. And, and that was- that was a hard lesson for me to learn of not focusing on growth for growth sake and focusing on net profitable growth, right? I mean, that is the most important thing is net profitability. And once that is kind of the king, that unlocks all kinds of doors on how maybe you should run your business in not necessarily a traditional way to ensure that one, your employees make more money, right? They're happy if you're pretty profitable, right? And your expenses aren't that high. You can pay your people more, which are typically your most important asset, you know? Yeah. It's funny. Like I'm not going to get into the details, but I had a situation where somebody was doing like $4 million in revenue and they were breaking even. Mm -hmm. And then I talked to somebody else a couple of days later, they were doing $800,000 and making 250,000. Yeah. Like I'd rather be the guy (laughs) doing $800,000 in revenue and making 250. All day. Yeah. All day long because the guy with the 4 million probably has a lot of debt. Yeah. He's probably burning cash. (laughs) Like he's, if he does have a problem, it's a bigger problem. Yeah. Right. And it's harder to get out of. Yeah. So it's really interesting, like just from a entrepreneurship, like small business mindset, don't get fixated on the top line number. Just get fixated on making fucking money. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. So this is the next level hustle podcasts and always want to know, you know, how do you take it to the next level? Right. We've talked about what hustle means. You, you learned from your, your mom and dad and just kind of taking it to the next level, right? What makes you hustle even harder yeah. or what is maybe a, a trick or a hack yeah. that helps you take it to the next level where people will search you out yeah. for your services? Well, so what makes me take it to the next level? So um, once I figure out how to do something, I'm really interested in educating others on how to do that thing, but then also finding new things to do, right? Because to me, it's kind of this lifelong learning journey where I want to know how to operate a whole lot of different types of businesses. And and the really cool thing about being a, a business lawyer that does startup work and business advising work is that I get to live vicariously through a lot of my clients, which is super fun. So they're all excited about this next business idea that they have and they want to start it up. And I'm a part of that journey with them, right? So that's super fun. My law partner and I talked about some things that we could do in 2023 and beyond that would be fun. Things outside the operation of a law firm, which I mean, you know, I don't have down pat, but I'm pretty familiar with operating a law firm at this point. So what else could I run, right? We love singing karaoke. I would love to own a karaoke bar. That would be incredibly fun. And I think bring me a whole lot of joy and pleasure that I have some ownership interest stake in a karaoke bar. And literally last week, my, my business partner and I were talking and we were talking about, um, there are no bad ideas in brainstorming, right? So just think about whatever kind of business you could think of. And Bo was like, well, what about a skydiving business where people can take their cats and we'd call it Geronimo? I was like, well, that is just, I mean, the worst idea in America, but I, I appreciate that you came up with it, right? It's, it's that kind of stuff that, I mean, 
I love thinking about what the next new fun thing would be. And then again, my thing is execution. So unleash me on a new idea and see what happens. It'll be in to fruition like that, right? I hope you have a trademark on that because once it gets out <laughs> on the internet, that might be a, yeah. an explosion that that's we want right. to be in front of. Uh, no, that's amazing. You know, when I think of the people I hire for services, right, whether it's my CPA or whether it's an attorney and you're starting a new business, I want them to be on my side. I want them to love my story. Yeah. Even if it's just for the moment that I'm with them, I want them to be on my side like, heck yeah, let's do it. Let's push. And um, you don't get that from everyone. Yeah. Right. You you, you are a number, a client, but you're not, uh, a, you know, that passion. Yeah. Even in that 90 minutes or the time that you spend helping them curate it. And I think that is next level is, is like having that passion for them with them. Yeah. And, and, and I think the reason I love startup work or working with entrepreneurs so much is because there's just something about me that is in tune with them. We're cut from the same cloth, right? Like I view myself as entirely unemployable. No one could possibly employ me, right? I must own the company. There's no doubt about it. So if it like, when I worked at a law firm down in Pensacola, I looked around and I was a brand new lawyer and I thought, I could probably do it better than this. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's kind of in the back of my mind. It's like, well, why am I here with these people? I could make this happen, right? And so that kind of mindset that I think entrepreneurs bring to the table always of being completely unemployable, I identify with that and I appreciate that. You well, know? well yeah, dude, like I could not agree with you more. And a lot of it is like, somebody's got to do it. Why not me? Yeah. I mean, like, that's my mindset. Like, that's I, right. I don't know if you call it like arrogant or I call it confidence, right? It's like, if someone's going to do a hundred million dollars, why not me? Yeah. That's right? right. And it's, and I cannot emphasize this enough. When you think about those goals, you have to surround yourself with a team that can help you accomplish it. And that has to align with you. So yes, good ideas are good. Yes. Execution is paramount. Nobody will ever argue that. Right. But surrounding yourself with a team to help you get there is this is quite frankly the critically most important thing because a lot of people have good ideas, but some people are so proud that they will not let anyone else help them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, you know, one common thing for potential entrepreneurs, people that are kind of too afraid to launch, when they come to me, a lot of questions are, well, look, I have this great idea, but I don't want to tell anybody about it right? How do I protect this great idea I have? And I say, well, what's your great idea? And they're like, I don't know that I want to tell you. It's like, well, listen, if you have a fantastic idea, I hate to tell you, you should tell everyone about your fantastic idea, right? Go talk to your friends and family. And if they're excited about it and everyone's getting excited, well, then that tells you something. It tells you have a good idea. If you're too afraid to tell anybody about it, you'll never launch ever, right? And not to mention, if you do launch, you won't be successful. Yes, correct. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man, I feel like we could keep going here, but I think we should uh, wrap it up and wait for round two. This has been a ton of fun. But Matt, thanks for coming on. Yes. This has been awesome. Congrats on all your success and running your own firm. I think it's absolutely fantastic. I've seen your journey for the last four years. I think it's, um, I've never seen a lawyer do that, honestly. Especially, sometimes they retire from big firms and start their own and play around on the side, but... I love how bullish you are about it. So congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's very respectable to watch you in the journey that you've created. Thanks for listening to the Next Level Hustle podcast, where we help you accelerate what you already know to the next level. If you'd like to support the podcast, consider sharing it on social media, subscribing wherever you listen, or leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week for another Next Level Hustle conversation. I'm John, and I'm out. And I'm Boomer. I'm also out.